The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We are talking about why this Packer offense can still be special. We're also going to take questions at the bar for about Packers and Rams. We'll do a little bit of golden kegs. And then we will talk about the Milwaukee Bucks having the best record in the NBA through 30 games. Does that mean anything? We'll discuss that and much more. Before we get going, just a reminder to follow us along on social media. Uh, Tab the Keg on Twitter, Tab the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We're back at it in the content game. Uh, Giannis had that awesome dunk tonight. Uh, we posted it on both channels, uh, so make sure you give that a like. Maybe share it out to your story, whatever it may be. Uh, also, we obviously posted the reviews, um, so that was good. Uh, we'll have the Bucks reviews up tomorrow morning. Uh, relishing in that victory as well. It is a good victory Tuesday. I think we can all appreciate uh, today. Uh, usually I'm not a big fan of Tuesdays, but when you're riding in hot with a Packer win, with a chance to maybe get into the playoff race, as well as the Milwaukee Bucks winning and establishing their dominance against one of the better teams in the NBA so far this season, you got to feel good about it. Uh, also, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. Uh, if you already are, make sure that you're rating and reviewing. We really appreciate that. Uh, if that's too much to ask, uh, tell people about us. Tell us what we got going on. I know it's the holiday season. I know you're going to be seeing friends and family on uh, the next couple weeks. Just suggest this podcast. Be like, hey, are you listening to Happy the Cake Sports? Like, just give them a try. See what see what they're all about. Uh, they're talking not only about the Packers, but they're also talking about the Bucks. They're also talking about Marquette. Uh, every now and again, a little bit of Badger basketball, definitely Badger football, and the Milwaukee Brewers. So we're not just covering one thing. We're covering it all and what we have for you. And in a way where I don't try to beat you over the head of the analytics, but I also am not a dumbass. So I think it's a, a good sort of in-between, if you will, because I think there are a lot of dumbasses out there, and I think there are a lot of people who try too hard to be smart. So I feel like I fit right in the middle, uh, wedged right in there perfectly. All right. Let's get going. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. Watching Aaron Rodgers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs on the field at the same time, along with Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, almost everybody was in full gear. The only one missing was David Bakhtiari because of an appendectomy. All right? So I, and other than that, Green Bay was at full strength offensively. We really haven't seen this version of the Green Bay Packers. We have not seen this iteration. Sure, we had Dobbs and and Watson out there earlier in the season, but they were just rookies. At this point, I don't even consider them rookies. I consider them, you know, basically a rookie plus, if you will. And they have been fully formed and they look like they are going to be ready to take the next step and be the next great duo in Packer history. And we've had a lot of legendary wide receivers. And it paints a picture on why Brian Gunacoust had this as a succession plan for Devontae Adams. Now, he should have probably had a better veteran than Sammy Watkins, who was released yesterday, but that's here nor there. We haven't seen this version of the Green Bay Packer offense. And that is why I've been so hesitant to move on from Aaron Rodgers, because we have not seen what Rodgers can do with the talent that Dobbs and Watson possess. Yes, they are young receivers. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is going to get frustrated with them. But I think Rodgers sees a future with both of those guys and sees what they could potentially be and knows that the ceiling is the, there is no ceiling. There isn't a ceiling, right? That they could be 
at a top-tier level. Now, granted, this is a lot of hyperbole and a lot of excitement for a team that scored 24 points, and Watson and Dobbs didn't do much. But the fact remains that Green Bay's running attack thrives with these two guys out there in the passing game because it is a perfectly balanced offense and what exactly you want in an NFL team today. If Green Bay comes back with a, a team that's very similar to last year, to this year, excuse me, for the 2023 season offensively, so that means Bakhtiari is back, that means Cobb's back, that means Aaron Jones is back, and that is one last dance for Aaron Rodgers, and they figure out a way to keep Jordan Love happy, I think that Green Bay Packers will still be a Super Bowl contender. I might not think of them as highly as some other years, but they should still be seen in high regard. Because let's be real, if this team was healthy the entire year, which includes the quarterback, I think there is no way that the Packers aren't in the playoffs right now. I think the Packers are either trying to fight the Vikings for the NFC North, or they are right where Dallas is jostling for that fifth or sixth seed, uh, whatever it may be. But because Green Bay had very shitty injury luck on their offensive side of the ball, you know, whether it be their offensive line, you know, here and there, or the guys on the outside, or their quarterback, the only really part of the offense that has been healthy has been the running backs until tonight when AJ Dillon had to go in to get checked for a concussion. I don't know if it was official that AJ Dillon did have a concussion, but if he did, that could put him in peril for the Miami game. But we'll worry about that later. So that's official then that all of the you know positional groups have been hurt through, through times this season. Tight ends, I think, are unscathed. But still, you have Robert Tunyon coming back from an ACL injury, right? It's not just like Robert Tunyon's there and he was what he looked like last season before that ACL tear. It still looks like Robert Tunyon is maybe another year, another half year away from being back to that guy. And that's also why I wonder why everyone's all gussed up about wanting to draft a tight end early in this draft. Because I, I really do think that Green Bay could run this back offensively. Defensively, I, I think there's talent there too, but I think there's work that's needed, especially at the coordinator position. But we're talking offense. And I think Dobbs and Watson, it's just they have they have what it takes. They I mean, Dobbs today, right? He's been gone for four games. Now, granted, he got the bye, so he got a little extra time to heal. But he has five catches for 55 yards and looks like he hasn't missed the beat, right? Like that, to me, is extremely impressive for Romeo to just come out there and start doing his thing again. This is probably the first quote-unquote bad Watson game, but teams respect him now. There is a little bit of a book on him. I'll be very curious to see what Watson looks like against Miami. And he can run with Tyree Kill. He's probably one of the only ones that can run with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell and what could be a potential tra track meet for the Green Bay Packers. And they have now an offense that I think could compete in that. We deserve to see this version of the Green Bay Packers. And we deserve to see this offense out there, you know, next year. I know we're going to get a couple games, Miami, Vikings, Detroit, maybe a, a playoff appearance, but that's... You know, highly unlikely, right? 12% chance. It's not It's not looking good. And Miami is a very tough opponent. And we'll talk much more about it as the week goes on. But you want to look at what they have with Rodgers, Dobbs, and Watson. 
Let those guys work together. Let that another year to learn what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. Figure it out. The tendencies of Aaron Rodgers. The you know just learning from everybody and figuring out what could what can be done differently. How can you know Rodgers help those guys succeed, and what can they do to help Rodgers you know continue on his illustrious career. That those are you know studying Devontae Adams, making sure that Rodgers you know has a go-to guy, whether it's Dobbs or Watson, or a little bit of both. Maybe some games it's Dobbs, maybe some games it's Watson. Having two guys like that is you know something Green Bay really hasn't had since Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson. You know that was the last time Green Bay had a duo, and Green Bay's always seemed to have a duo. They lost that a little bit with Devontae. They had Alan Lazard, but. Alan Lazard doesn't hold a candle to these guys, point blank. And probably why Alan Lazard, I don't think, is going to get a contract next season because I think Alan Lazard's going to get paid by somebody else, and I think Green Bay will dip their toe back into the receiver well, whether it's a little bit in free agency and also into the draft. So I have to, I have to see this one more year. And it's selfish, I'll admit that. I realize it could cost you Jordan Love. And I still believe that Green Bay could work with Jordan Love and figure out a deal that makes sense to keep Jordan Love around with the intention that Aaron Rodgers is going to leave. Now, Green Bay might force Aaron out. They might trade Aaron Rodgers and give the keys to Jordan Love and say, this is the future. It's Love, it's Watson, it's Dobbs, and now we'll cook. And we'll see what this looks like. And you might add A.J. Dillon to the mix and get rid of Aaron Jones, clear those books, which I would hate, but I, I could see it, right? Could totally see Green Bay going into another direction. But I do think like it, it would rob a lot of us of the potential here. I I understand what they're up against, right? Like I, I do. Like I get that there is a potentially unhappy quarterback that's hanging out and that's gonna maybe force his way out of Green Bay. But I also understand there's another quarterback who is one of the best of all time and still has the second Super Bowl ring hanging over his head, where if he wins it, he's done. I guarantee you, if Aaron Rodgers wins it, he's done. And he should get one last chance. There should be one more chance. And this really should be exactly like 2007 all over again. With a talented young roster and an old aging quarterback going for one more Super Bowl. If Rodgers wants to go play somewhere else after that, if he doesn't get that done, because it's really fucking hard to win Super Bowls, which people always seem to forget. Let it happen. Let it go. It's okay. We tried it. We got to see it. If Dobbs and Watson can't stay healthy, well then, that's another problem that we have to worry about. Or if Rodgers continues to get hurt, right? Like, you can't control that. You can't control injuries, and injuries happen. And if that's where, that's how it all shakes out, we'll never see it. And it'll be another you know chapter of the what if Packers because god damn it do we have so many of them talk about one of those in a little bit in the questions section Green Bay should look at this off should take a long look at what this offense might have been this year and parlay that into next year because I I do think it has a chance to be something legendary and I don't want to miss that shot and I don't want to pivot just because we need to make sure that a guy who's somewhat unproven with a little bit of potential hanging out there needs to start in an NFL game. 
And yes, I know I know what I said about Jordan Love last week. I said that I'd rather trade Aaron Rodgers than Jordan Love. I stand by that. I really do. Like I and you're like Charlie, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. What do you mean? You're saying you don't want Jordan Love because you want to see this version of the Green Bay Packers. I absolutely do. All right. Like I absolutely want to see this version of the Packers. But I also get it if the fact is that the only way they can move off of Aaron Rodgers or move off of a quarterback, shall we say, not Rodgers or Love, is trading in the NFC, then I'm trading Rodgers nine times out of ten, right? Maybe there's that one chance that it isn't. If they think in the back of their heads that this guy's not going to come back and win a Super Bowl and that he's not going to be facing us in the playoffs, then yeah, go ahead and trade him. You think he's been, again, as I've said, and which I probably sound like a a broken record at this point. But it, if you think he's Matt Schaub, if you think he's Jimmy Garoppolo, trade his ass. Trade his ass to the NFC. It's not a big deal. But if you think there is a chance that this guy's Brett Favre, don't fucking trade the NFC. Don't let that story be like, oh, they traded Brett, you know, they Brett Favre from, from the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons traded Brett Favre away. And, you know, now he's with the Packers and the MVP and all this other shit. Do you really want that to be part of this generation of the Packers? that we Brett favre ourselves, the team who got Brett Favre, the team that was savvy enough to see through it, do we really want to become that? And that's why I have a hard time getting rid of love. It's almost like Brian Gunacus has painted himself into this impossible corner that I don't know how he gets out. Because the one route is to say, all right, yeah, cut it loose and let's, let's just try it with something else. And Rodgers is again robbed of that opportunity. Or Rodgers gets his chance, and then you have to figure out how to deal with a unhappy guy in Jordan Love, and what does that look like? It's it's really tough, man. And I, as I said, I, I think we deserve to see this with Rodgers, and I want to see this with Rodgers. And I think even if you are an anti-Rodgers guy or you're in the the camp of Jordan Love, I think you want to see this. You you be lying to yourself. Unless you just became an Aaron Rodgers hater for the last couple of years, you want to see this this all together. I know you do. Don't lie to yourself, all right? Let's hope that they are going to have more than three or four games together. Moving on to questions at the bar. We've done this now, I think, a few weeks. It's kind of just has become a segment. I'm doing it a little bit differently. I've been tweaking this segment of, of, you know, a couple weeks here and there. It's a work in progress, as you can see. I want to more do it as like questions from the game. And then we'll get into Golden Kegs, talk more about individual players. These are more overarching questions that I think will be had. I think you'll hear these on sports radio in the morning, everything else. Uh, I know there's not a ton of radio here in Milwaukee, but maybe you're listening somewhere else. Maybe there's more radio in Wausau or Madison or in Eau Claire. Who knows? Who the fuck knows, right? So let's get into it. Questions from the bar. Question number one, as I ask myself, because I do not have a co-host, I do not have a producer. Playoff hope still alive and well. You bet your ass. So Green Bay took care of business tonight. And Green Bay be a team they're supposed to. Aaron Rodgers acknowledged it after game. But Green Bay won this football game and they were pretty dominant in doing it. They were up 24 to six at one point. They really laid down the hammer in the second half. Uh, first half, dri- first drive in the second half 
which Packers had not scored on in 11 straight games. They finally get that done. Then they go back and score again. They really could have scored more and been up like 31 to 6 or 27 to 6. Um, ample opportunities that they did not take advantage of. But still, Green Bay didn't really need to shut the door with the touchdown. They did it with a soul-crushing drive to end the game that went almost eight minutes, and they took it all the way down to the one-yard line and likely screwed a variety of people by not going in the end zone with Aaron Jones. Whether it was fantasy, whether it was maybe a prop bet, maybe Aaron Jones two-touchdown bet, if you will, or the over-under, which was set at 39, uh, yeah, it was it was a brutal decision for Matt LaFleur to take that knee for a lot of people and thoughts and prayers to all, every of them except for my friend Eric. Uh, but <laughs> it's all up. It's all up. Just just kidding. You know, I, I had to had to get that in there. But Green Bay is in the playoff hunt. And as I said last week after the Bears game, that you need to embrace this in the hunt lifestyle. You need to understand that. This is something every fan really yearns for, you know, and you look at a team like, I'm trying to think of a good, the Texans, uh, they don't have a ton of fans, but it's a, just a good example. They've been through hell. They're going to have another top pick. They have not been good in years, right? It's been since 2019, I believe, since the Texans were anything. So that's three years, which for NFL is a fucking lifetime, Right. And now you're in the hunt. Imagine being Jacksonville right now. Jacksonville was deader than dead last year with Urban Meyer. Now it looks like Trevor Lawrence is an MVP quarterback like people thought he was when he came out of college. Doug Peterson is his coach who has been here before, knows what it takes, and they're trying to chase down the Tennessee Titans who look about as shaky as it could get from a playoff team. Those guys are excited about it. And that's why I think Packer fans should be. I don't mean to redo my monologue from last week, but it it's just needs to be reinforced. That this is fun. We, this is exactly what you hope for. This game on Christmas now matters, right? We Even if you have to watch the game at your in-law's house and you don't know how you're going to control your emotions. Not that I'm s- suggesting it for anybody but myself <laughs> here. But still, like... You want that feeling, man. You want to be here at the end. You don't want to be watching meaningless football. You don't want to be watching. Like, I think I said the same fucking thing about the Brewers back in September. You go back and listen to that. And you can call me a hopeless optimist. You can call me, you know, somebody who just doesn't want to, you know, basically buy into the fact that, you know, maybe this is not going to go well. I know Miami is going to be a struggle. I know that Green Bay is probably going to need 40 points to win this football game. Like, I fully get this, all right? But I also want to I also want to believe. I also will talk myself into Packers winning that football game by the end of the week. I will find ways to make that happen because that's how I fan. And some people might fan a little bit differently. But I want to have a Christmas where Packers and Bucks are both winning, winning their collective games and we feel the exact same way as we do Tuesday that we do next Monday. And I'm sitting with Mitch doing a tabby the keg, by the way. Special edition, Monday morning, Mitch and I will probably have it up. Yeah, I don't know what when we'll exactly tape, but we'll have it up probably 10 or 11 or something like that on Monday morning for everybody who has off from uh, Christmas Day. So a little little tease there for, for the people. But I want to be talking happy, all right? And if it doesn't go well, so so be it, right? At least we got a couple more weeks out of it. At least we got a week, 
you know, at least, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just like we're dead in early December and we have nothing left. At least this shit matters. You know, I, I, it's a very cheesy thing now in retrospect, but I remember writing a blog or writing a lot of blogs during the 2010 Super Bowl run. Um, and I, I can't remember what site they're on at this point. I did Chuck's Corner. I, I probably could go back and find them. But I was really big on the song by The Bravery called Believe. And it's it's a good song. It's like a, it's in that genre that was popular in 2010, like the Franz Ferdinands of the world. And it's like, give me something to believe. I, can, I know I'm not going to sing the whole thing. But it was just about how like it made you feel like you're like, okay, like let's just keep believing here. And that's really all I'm asking Packer Nation to do. And yeah, it's still alive. I think it probably scares a lot of people that the Packers are hanging around. If, you, if you're having cocktails with Kevin O'Connell, he, he is telling you right away, I do not want to see that Packers team. And the Giants and, the, and Washington... You know, it's there. I don't know if there's some pressure on them. I don't know if they care that Green Bay is lurking. Um, but knowing that's another team in the mix besides Detroit, besides Seattle, Seattle, you know, that's the other thing, right? Like Seattle looks dead. Detroit, yes, yeah, surging, but they have another road game. Back to back road games, never easy. Then you have the Giants, who are, you know, one good win of a myriad of bad losses. And then Washington, who. Was playing well and now it went off the rails. Now Ron Rare's like, I might not keep Taylor Heineke at quarterback. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? I'm like, is Washington just dumb? Like, what what do they see about Taylor Heineke that I don't? Because I would have Taylor Heineke be a quarterback of the Packers and I think I'd live with it. But maybe I'm crazy, right? So anyways, here and are there. There's a chance and I'm excited for it. And we'll just see. And we'll go day by day. We'll, we'll talk about the simulator on Tuesdays. Uh, simulator at least stays alive uh, for another week. But yeah, could be could live its death on Sunday after the Miami game. Other questions. Can Joe Barry get credit for this game? <sighs> kind of. Uh, I thought Joe Barry did all right against Sean McVay. Um, I think there were a couple plays where... Just guys were open where they should have been. I thought Cam Akers had a couple big runs here and there. But I thought overall, you know, 12 points. They didn't allow a ton of yards. And they ended up allowing only 146. They forced a turnover. They had five sacks. I mean, defense played pretty well. And Joe Barry deserves some credit here. Uh, and I just hope that this gives the defense the confidence that they need heading into the game against Miami. Um, because it's not going to be easy. And I just hope they're ready for it. And that's, that's all I'll say there. But yeah, Joe Barry can get a little bit of credit. I still don't think it's enough to say, oh yeah, Joe Barry should keep his job because I take a lot. It, would, it would honestly would. I think it would take a Super Bowl for Joe Barry to keep his job. In my in my world, I don't know. Maybe Malfour feels differently. But yeah, that's kind of how I am with Joe Barry. How much does it suck that the Packers own the Rams? This is a great question. Packers have now beat the Rams three times in a calendar year. The Rams have a Super Bowl. <sighs> Man, that stings. That really hurts, right? Because Green Bay has owned this team. And I do a what if all the time about David Bakhtiari. And I said, if Bakhtiari doesn't get hurt, the Packers win the 2020 Super Bowl. 
because they would have been able to stop the Tampa Bay pass rush. Kansas City had so many issues, you know, with what Tampa was bringing to the table. I think Green Bay overwhelms them. I think Green Bay wins that Super Bowl. Can I really say I think Green Bay also wins the 2021 Super Bowl if they played L.A. in the the conference final? Because it would have been again at Lambeau, crazy as that is, that it seems like the Packers always play L.A. in Lambeau. It would have been in Lambeau. Uh, Matt Stafford has had his own personal demons against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, who I think he always tries to overperform because his wife, for some reason, doesn't like Aaron Rodgers, which would mean that Matt probably doesn't like him. I think, you know, wife's vendettas are usually your husband's as well. Uh, But that's, again, you know, another story for another time. I look at that and I'm like, all right, yeah. And then you Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl, I, I think, again, it's an advantage to the Packers. So could we really be looking at a team trying to get into the playoffs and try to defend their title for the second straight year? Yeah, that is that is exactly what I'm saying. But of course, it didn't happen. Of course, David Bakhtiari got hurt. Packers ran into a buzzsaw that was San Francisco that continues to be their playoff kryptonite. They have to figure out. And they could play them again if they get in, which would be highly ironic. Uh, if they would climb that mountaintop, they got back from 4-8 and eight only to see San Francisco. That would be a real fucking bitch. But hopefully that's not the case. Green Bay is going to be all right. And I think you're going to have these games where you have the sort of basically the feeling of you know you're always better than this team. And the Rams can't figure out the Packers. And the Rams should be thinking they're lucky stars. They did not see Green Bay in last year's playoff. Moving on to Golden Kegs. We do this every week. We go through the best and worst players from the game. Sometimes it is positional units. Uh, Other times it is main moments during the game. Uh, Five kegs being the best. Uh, Four kegs or four kegs being all right. Three kegs being average. Two being uh, just a slightly better than being the worst. And one keg means you stink. So let's get into it. Five kegs goes to the Packer rushing attack. I thought this was a really good game from Jones and Dillon. Uh, Aaron Jones had 90 on the ground. A.J. Dillon had 36. Dillon added both of the touchdowns uh, for the Packer running attack. Jones did get one uh, through the air and then had the brutal on the one-yard line but did not finish. But all in all, a very solid performance by the Packer running backs. Uh, Jones and Dylan are a great one-two punch. Uh, December Dylan continues to be a thing. I know he got hurt, uh, which sucks, right? Because he just really seems to thrive in this weather. Uh, it's crazy how he continues to succeed uh, with this, but it's really hard to deal with Green Bay right now. Uh, when it comes to running the football. Uh, 28, 35 times on the ground uh, in that game. Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 30 times. Uh, you know, obviously the old complaints about the Packers not running the ball seems to kind of be out the window. Uh, and yeah, really, really good stuff. Jones also had four catches for 35 yards. Dylan had three for 35. So if you if you are a math major, not only did they touch the ball 28 times, but they also added seven more touches. So 35 times we had Jones and Dylan handling the rock. That's an additional 70 yards too. So about 200 all-purpose yards from these guys tonight. I mean, just not much more you can say. I thought they were the reason the Packers won this game. The Rams used to be very difficult to run the football on. It's not the case anymore without Aaron Donald there. 
Uh, so yeah, great stuff from both Jones and Dylan. Uh, hopefully Dylan's all right and we can have him back for the Miami game. Uh, four star or four keg, excuse me. Uh, it used to be an old segment. Four kegs uh, to the Packer pass rush. Uh, whether it's Preston Smith, whether it's Quay Walker, whether it's Kinsley and Barrier, uh, Devontae Wyatt had a moment. Uh, really good shit from all of them, right? Uh, they they had some big plays. They had five sacks. It was the most sacks they've had since the game against Cleveland, coincidentally against Baker Mayfield last Christmas. But yeah, the Packer rushing attack, they were all over. Uh, they were all over the, the Rams tonight and all over Baker Mayfield. And it's... Not surprising, right? Uh, the Rams' offensive line is pretty trash, but we'll take what we can get. And going back to the momentum part about the, def- de- the defense, is this is the stuff you need, great. If that's what's sort of going to get you going and you're like, all right, yeah, we can do this against better teams now too. Uh, I, I'm all, all for it. I'm all for it. And yeah, I thought the Packer pass rush did a really good job frustrating Mayfield, Mayfield all night forced a interception too i mean that if mayfield doesn't get pressure there there's nothing there kenny clark also deserves some credit you know in aiding that pass rush uh, kenny clark another guy who loves showing up in december just like aj Dillon. uh so yeah good game from him too uh but yeah power pass rush at the 4k level other 4k goes to Keyshawn nixon Keyshawn nixon the hottest guy in the streets right now i think for packer fans I had another couple great returns. Um, he is going to house one at one point. I don't know when, but if you wanted to take a Packer defensive special teams, defense special teams uh, flyer uh, for an anytime this weekend, I don't hate it uh, because, yeah, Nixon continues to build confidence. Uh, Matt LaFleur was like, we should have had him in earlier. Uh, it, do- it does make you wonder, man, about Amari, right? You think about that Washington game where Amari had a pretty brutal a fumble and it, you know that game was close and if you're like what have you had Kishon Nixon and I just hope Matt LaFleur is learning from his mistakes about patience and I don't want a coach to be over overreacting I don't want a coach to make rash decisions but I also want a coach to understand when shit's not working right to pull the plug versus saying all right he's gonna work through it all right and I think there's a fine line to saying oh that's you're being overreactive versus you're being proactive and saying, all right, well, let's get somebody else to try at least and let's see what they're made of. I'm not sure. Uh, you, you'd have to you would have to let me know. But yes, Kijan Nixon uh, playing really well for the Green Bay Packers right now and has kind of shown himself as a legitimate top returner in the NFL. So kudos to Kijan. Uh, number three tags goes to Romeo Dobbs. Uh, as mentioned earlier in the pod, five for 55. He didn't have a touchdown or anything, but really solid night for him at coming off injury. I don't think he looked slower. I don't think he looked like he had any problems with the ankle. So those are all really encouraging signs. And the stock arrow is only pointing up for Romeo Dobbs. And we'll see what he can bring to the table against Miami. Two tags goes to Rasul Douglas. So... That's why sometimes box scores can be funny because Rasul Douglas had the most tackles. He had eight tackles in this game. But I felt like Rasul Douglas got burned multiple times in this game. I felt like there were a couple of plays he gave up on. Yes, he had the interception. He nearly had a Patriots-esque lateral, uh, which was fucking terrible. I have no idea what Rasul Douglas was thinking in that moment, but he did throw the ball and thankfully it was recovered. 
what we get from Rasul Douglas. I just think that there is more meat on that bone. I think that he has had a disappointing year for the money that the Packers gave him. And definitely not necessarily a starting cornerback in the NFL. I do wonder if Eric Stokes was there, would Rasul Douglas be a lot better? Um, I think that's a question we have to kind of just ask ourselves um, as part of the what-ifs of the world for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but, yeah, I, not a great game for Rasul Douglas, despite the flashy stats. I don't think the stats tell, tell the story with this one. One keg, uh, Josh Neiman, I thought had a really rough night at right tackle. I just felt like he kept getting beat. Um, it, it was not necessarily something you want to see with a guy like Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb uh, staring staring you down next week. But yeah, Josh Neiman, you know, needs to be a little bit better there and needs to keep wider feet and work on making sure that guys aren't getting around him. And I thought that happened way too much. Left Rodgers with limited time. Uh, but yeah, hopefully it's just a blip on the radar for Josh Neiman, not necessarily, you know, what defines him. I, I don't think that Josh Neiman has really been that bad this year. I just think it was, was a bad game. Another one keg to Aaron Rodgers' INT. I don't know if we want to blame Lazard or Rodgers for it, but basically if you missed it, uh, Lazard throttled down because he saw Taylor Rapp coming over the top. Rodgers was like, fuck it, let's just you know try for a jump ball, and Lazard wasn't all about it. And then coincidentally enough, Rodgers didn't really throw him the ball the rest of the game. Uh, so that was interesting. Uh, I don't think, I know the, I oh, throw him the ball one more time. He had two targets, but not much. Uh, went out. Well, that was his target. So yeah, not much went Alan Lazard's way the rest of the way. So obviously Rogers believes he was right. I think that was cla- a classic Aaron thing. They are close friends, so I'm sure they'll talk about it, what they saw and what you know, all the different things. But yeah, I did not like that interception. That was very anti-Rogers and a rough one uh, at that. Let me know what you think. Hit me up in the comments. Uh, Tabbing the Keg on Twitter. Tabbing the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. Uh, these do get posted as at least. I think we're going to go still on Twitter and Instagram if I get my shit together. And then we'll do a video for the TikTok community. Let's wrap up today's show with talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Your Milwaukee Bucks have the best record in the NBA through 30 games. That is correct. Does it mean anything? I don't think so. I think people expect the Bucks to be really good, and that's exactly what the Bucks are bringing to the table. And I think that's that comes with territory. I, I don't think the target is going to get any bigger. I think there are guys that want to play well against Giannis, Zion Williamson, for example, that have similar builds, if you will, uh, that they take advantage, you know, they want to see what they have against the best player in the world. And today, Giannis Antetokounmpo looked like it. He had 42 points on 17 shots. He got to the line a season high 22 times, only missing five of them. Uh, It was a masterclass performance by Antetokounmpo and something that is really worth marveling at. I was very impressed with what I saw from Giannis it was clear to me that he wanted to get up for this game. But back to the best record. I think for the Bucks, what's more important to me is how they do out in this road trip. This is a gauntlet of a trip. You go to Cleveland tomorrow, 
Then after that, you play Brooklyn. Then after that, you play Boston. And then you wrap up with Chicago, who while Chicago is not very good, they love to play against the Bucs. They get up for the Bucs. So that's going to be a very difficult game. It would not surprise me, though, if the Bucs decided to punt that game altogether. So if the Bucs come out here in this stretch and win three or four of these games, I think that will impress me more than having the best record in the NBA. Because it's just a, it's just a long way to go. The Bucs are doing a good job of setting the pace and saying to Boston, it's going to be hard for you to catch us as the one seed. That is really the ultimate goal right now, is just the one seed. And I think the Bucs understand that it matters. I think they know they have to come with it every night. They have none of the championship hangover. In fact, they're hungry for more. And so I think these games against the top-tier NBA is a way for the Bucs to make a statement that we're still here. We still believe that we can be a championship team. And fuck you if you don't think that's the case. So yes, I... I really do. I really do pre. I really do think that yeah, the Bucks are in a good spot uh, going forward, and we'll just have to see you know where it all nets out. Uh, I mentioned the game a little bit from today with Giannis' th- forty-two points. Brooke also added thirty points in this one uh, with seven rebounds and three assists, uh, making four threes. Drew Holiday had a double-double. Marshawn Bochamp got a start. Uh, he had six points, five rebounds he also or no i'm sorry he had six points three rebounds hit a couple of threes in limited time no jordan Nora, no george hill very interesting lineup construction there was not a ton of bobby portis in this game bobby only played 22 minutes uh joe ingles uh got in for 15 not a ton ingles did not make his first point as a milwaukee buck that will have to come against either cleveland or brooklyn depending on what they're doing in terms of a load management game uh, but yeah, I I really really thought this was a good Bucks win. Uh, they were close early. A lot of it was from Jonas Valanciunas just going off, who owns the Bucks it seems like. And then Milwaukee started to inch away a little bit uh, in the at the end of the first half and then into the second half. And they it got a little tight, but then the Bucks pulled away yet again. So that that's always good and definitely what you want and looking forward to uh, Bucks Cleveland on Wednesday night. All right, that'll do it for today's show. I hope you guys have a great Tuesday and we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about Packers Dolphins. I think tapping the keg on Thursday. Uh, Again, we're trying to get back to our normal Wednesday. Uh, We'll see if we're going to do it after the Bucks game. It may make sense given it's a six o'clock game, but I have not talked with Mitch about that. By the way, Mitch and I are playing each other in a fantasy semifinal playoff for the right for a championship, which we've never done before. So I'm sure that will be discussed on this week's podcast. All right, like I said, make sure that you're rating and reviewing. If you don't want to rate and review, make sure that you're sharing with your friends at your holiday festivities. We'd appreciate it. Uh, Take care, guys. Have yourself a great day, and we'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.